You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and I am here with my friend, Jason. Hey, everybody. We are missing Dan tonight, but that's okay. Uh, he will be back with us hopefully next week. And yep. uh, so it's just uh, just Jason and I tonight. Just us. The two amigos. It doesn't have <laughs> to, the same ring to, to it. To swoon it? you to sleep. Hopefully you're not driving. <laughs> we are the two amigos. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. No, no, no not really. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Well, we've got a good show. We are actually following up on our last podcast episode of uh, creating and writing a mystery session. Today we're going to talk about how to run it well. But before we get started, Jason, how was your geek week? Uh, interesting one. So I, uh, my headset busted. Um, the the band that goes around your head that holds it on broke right. uh, just through stress and strain. And I, I've been running these uh, XO1s for a really long time. My wife bought them for me years ago to plug into my Xbox, right, um, controller. And Those um, were a long – I mean, those came out – like, wasn't it the day one Xbox? It's – they're – yeah, man, they're old. But let me tell you, um, they are just a 3.5-millimeter jack, right, Um but I've got them. Uh, I bought the Turtle Beach Atlas, which gives you a it gives you a jack to a USB connection, okay. and it has a tiny little like um, it has a tiny little signal processor inside it, so that it kind of buffs it up and makes it sound all nice and pretty. But uh, and I've been just using those, so basically turned my wired my wired uh, headset into a USB headset. And um, man, these headsets is awesome. Uh, Fifty millimeter drivers. Uh, but it broke. The headband broke. So I said, well, you know, I've had these things for a long time. Maybe it's time that I they'd upgrade. I'm going to try one of these new wireless headsets, right? Um, yeah. One of the, and I still don't understand why, but one of the main issues with the Xbox, right, is they have this, they have their own proprietary wireless system versus using like Bluetooth or something like that. They claim for, it's for latency. They claim it's for latency. <laughs> right. For the, um, that's for the original day one because the series, the series, not the Series X, but the Xbox One X controllers had the jack in them. Yeah, that you could that you could plug in the um, three point five millimeter jack in. Well, all all of the Xbox One line has had the jack. That's true. Um, well, that's but, not true. The first controllers did not. You had to get the adapter. Uh, correct, correct. But the yeah. the adapt, correct. Yes, they added it with the next line. Right. Yeah, because everybody was like, "This is so stupid." Yeah, but they never added Bluetooth. That is correct. Any of their, too. Yes. Which is even more stupid in my mind. Uh, it's just, it's just, I don't know why. Anyways, but uh, that's <laughs> yeah, not what latency. this is about. Latency. <laughs> yeah, that's not what this is about. But anyway, so, um, so anyway, so I buy. They have a bunch of new headsets now that have dual. They have the Xbox wireless and Bluetooth mm-hmm. built in, so you can use it as like you know, you can use it as a normal wireless headset. But it'll also sync up to your Xbox. Um, and I'm a big nice. fan of Turtle Beach. I think I feel like they make some really good good quality products for the money. So I bought the uh, Turtle Beach Stealth 700 Gen 2s. They're about 150 bucks. Um, wireless headsets. Nice. Uh, and I, and you know what? It sounded it sounded really good. Uh, and it synced to my Xbox and it synced to my phone. And you can can be connected to both of them simultaneously. So you can play music from your phone while you're listening to your Xbox. Wow, that's cool. It was cool. Um, but I Until... I returned them. I returned them. And oh. this, this is why. Even though they sounded great, they still did not sound as good as my XO1s. My really? six-year-old, you know, wired headset. It, they just 
did they just didn't have that crisp nice you know strong bass but also very clear and crisp high end uh there but they were 50 millimeter drivers too uh, the other thing is i had this problem i noticed that um you know i would my xbox was upstairs and i would go downstairs for work during the day and when i was down there i would plug these things in and sync them to my laptop which has bluetooth and so i was uh-huh. on conference calls and stuff and one time i was on a conference call and all of a sudden i heard the xbox notification go off and i was like oh somebody must have their xbox on you know <laughs> and then I heard it again, and then when the call ended and I still had my headset on, I heard it again. I was like, "Wait a minute, this is me." <laughs> so then that I go upstairs. Dork had his Xbox on the yeah. whole time. So I go upstairs and I realize, "Wait a minute, I didn't turn my Xbox on today." And I realize because these headsets are synced to the Xbox, whenever I turn the headset on, it automatically turned the Xbox on. Oh my gosh! And I'm like, "That's not at all the feature that I want." Because throughout the day, I'm turning my headset on and off as i take it off of my head right, and go right. do some work and then come back and anyways um the, that and you know 150 bucks and then i sat there and i looked at my x01s and i said i said you know what i could fix this and so i i just got some super glue and i got some twine i put it back to get i put it back together on the crack i super glued the crack and then i took twine and i wrapped it like you know like 200 times around nice. with twine and it's okay. sitting on my head right now working fine sounds good Though the other thing about them that really kind of was the killer, because I could have dealt, I think I could have dealt with the wireless turning the Xbox on and yeah, that other stuff. Even even the little bit of the less sound. The other killer for me was the mic. The mic just did not sound as clear as the one that I'm talking on right now. Interesting. And I'm like, for 150 bucks, like yeah. this mic should sound better than this. You know that surprises me because Turtle Beach has had good products for so long. Here's the thing, man. I've noticed this. A lot of these heads, gamer headsets, they move the mic off to the side yeah. so that it's not like in your peripheral vision, you know? Yep, yep. So it's kind of off to the side. And that's totally fine if all you're doing is chatting with your buddies. But if you're doing stuff like what we do, where we, you know, we're recording podcasts and we're communicating on telecons a lot, I got to have a boom that sits right in front of my mouth to right. be able to really... Right. pull that full thing now turtle beach does have a few headsets that still have the boom that goes right in front of your mouth and i think those those do sound better but this one was one that sat off to the side uh and it just wasn't cutting up for me good headset if you don't care so much about like the audio and you're yeah. fine with the kind of the wireless turning your xbox on uh 150 bucks it'll probably last you a long time i will say this they had a steel the headband was made of steel uh oh, thin nice. so it was flexible but uh i'm guessing that that's going to last a lot longer than the one that i had to repair yeah for sure but anyways that well, was well it would have it would have lasted longer but now we'll would, never know would have la- and you know what's interesting about the mic problem is just to hang on that for a minute so years ago when i was playing you know big into destiny with a bunch of buddies and we played regularly one of my friends headsets busted and so he said, you know, what? I'm, I'm going to just spend a lot of money because I play a lot of Xbox. I'm going to spend a lot of money. I'm going to get a good one. So we got one of those Astros uh-huh. that has like, you know, the 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 separate adapter with the equalizer that oh, right, you right. Know, plugs in. So like this is like a $300 headset, man. Yeah. And I tell you, the first time you put those on and he was talking in our party chat, it sounded like he was in a cave, like on the other end of the cave trying to talk to us. And everyone no was way. like, everyone was like, dude, are I think your headset's broken. He's like, "What were?" He's like, "What are you talking about? Isn't that broken?" We and it was just horrible. And yeah. we were like, "Dude, I'm, we're going to be honest with you. Like, it may sound good on your head, 
but it sounds like you're doing you're running like a fifteen dollar headset when you're talking to us. Wow. And I'm just like some of these headsets, man, they just don't focus on the mic. They focus on, you know, the, the, sound. the audio, the sound. Yep, but, yep, uh, yep. So pay attention. Um, my opinion, my experience, the ones who have the booms that can bend up to your mouth have the best sound. The ones that sit off to your cheek, yeah. um, you're just not going to get the same quality. It's a good point. It's a good yep. point. That's it. That's my soapbox. I'll step down now. Over to you. Uh, let's see. I kind of got back into painting some more. Um, part of it was spurred on by the fact that I ended up scoring all those Warcry minis. Yep. And now I have a shelf of gray. The war against the gray is an eternal war. Eternal. <laughs> it will I go have... on forever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Especially when you're like you're like, I'm gonna I wanna play that army. I'm gonna play that army, I'm gonna do it. It's my new army. And then you buy the I box know. and before the models even come you've changed your mind and you're playing another army. <laughs> and you're like That's it's never, never happened. <laughs> never, never. <laughs> That's why I have boxes of corn in my basement right i know now. <laughs> i know so um yeah i mean i've got uh i got like those essentially it was 60 50 minis you know sitting up on my shelf right now yeah and um i'm excited to paint him but uh i will say that you know i i was motivated and so like this weekend i i was doing a bunch of painting and it was great uh, so I'm almost done with the KO, uh, the Caradron Overlord Warband. I just have to finish up their bases. So, uh, but they're looking real sharp. They're looking real good. Um, they're nice and shiny. I've got a gloss mat that I need to spray on them so they stay shiny. And I'm uh, going to wrap that up. And I'm debating on whether or not I paint up one of the other Stormcast Eternal Warbands or if I move to the Legion of Nagash Warband. I've so got hold them up. both primed. So hold yeah. up, you. I think you might have misspoke, but you said you have a gloss mat that you're going to paint over them. Oh, sorry, gloss varnish. Okay, all right. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, gloss mat. That's weird. Uh, yeah. Gloss. It's a gloss varnish. So um, gotcha. I normally I normally do a varnish over my minis uh, in matte because you, you you know you don't want like a lot of the glossy stuff. Yeah. And I, I thin it down with water and run it through my airbrush and it works great and I love it. You know because it, it gives it the protection it needs. And um, it looks really good. But I've noticed that if I do that over the metallic, so like, you know, I, they may have a metal sword or something like that that I've got. And I spray the whole mini with the matte varnish. The sword looks a little dull. Um, and I didn't think much about it until I was watching a video from Vince Venturella the other day. And he was like, I basically paint all of my metallics after I varnish the miniature and I don't worry about putting it on there. Like yeah. on the metallics, just so they stay shiny, you know. I was like, right. "Oh wow, okay, interesting." Um, and uh, well, you know, it yeah. seems like you could you could put your base color on and then finish your mini, then then do the varnish, because then if if the paint does start to chip off from normal wear and tear, it just looks like a normal, uh, you know, like, like you're getting effect, down to the yeah. metal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it depends if you're uh, got a metal thing. If you've got like cloth, then it chipping off seems a little That's weird. That's true. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So the cool thing about KO though is like they're all metallic. I mean, they got some cloth on them, but they're pretty much like all all metal. So I'm gonna uh, throw those gonna under gloss the gloss. It. Yep. And the, and yeah. they're gonna look great. So I'm excited <laughs> about it. I, lo I love. It. I painted it. It's gonna look awesome. It's gonna look great. Yeah. Next so. topic. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out if I want to do the Vanguard Stormcastles to the guys with the big bows and the Aetherwing um, birds, 
or the Legion of Nagash, which is a bunch of skeletons. Um, and wow. uh, like a vampire lord and a white king and, and a necromancer and all that fun I mean, stuff. skeletons are cool, but they might get a little monoton- monotonous painting them. Yeah, well, so I ended poses. up getting I ended up getting the Shadespire skeleton band. So there are some really cool poses with some cool details in half of the skeletons. Yeah, I just remember playing the um, what's the name of the Bone Army that came out like a year and a half ago? Or a year um, ago? it's the um, the Bone uh, Reapers. Obi's uh, the yeah. Orc Bone Reapers. Bone Reapers. Yeah, I remember yeah. Like, every like I felt like every time I played those guys. It's just this sea of, you know, bleached bone on the table. Yeah. And then you talk to the guy like, hey, man, your armor looks really good. He's like, thanks. I don't want to paint another bone in my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like everyone exactly. that you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so, I mean, I was thinking of going, um, yeah, paint, painting up the Legion and the Gash stuff. But I was thinking with the Stormcast, um, I was going to paint them Grimdark style. It. Um, instead of instead of painting in the same kind of um, paint scheme as my other Stormcast Eternals, you know, um, I was going to treat them as kind of like because they're a vanguard unit, so they're like the advanced scouts, you know. So I was thinking like painting them as like a grimdark style, you know, totally weathered and armor chipping and stuff like that. I thought that would be pretty rad. That does seem cool. Um, you have to come up with some real good uh, backstory as to uh, why they aren't, you know, the high and mighty, keeping their armor clean and better than everyone else. Because we know that's how the Storm Guard really look at look at themselves. Yeah, They're well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and part of it too is like when they die, they get taken back up to Sigmar and then reforged. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I mean, there's that. Um, you know, and I think the story Seems here a little is unfair that, to me, but anyways. Yeah, exactly. And Nagash is pissed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I my the idea behind this story, and I was actually thinking about this, um, is that these guys. So it's a war cry band, right? These guys um, have been scouring the eight points for a long time. There you go. You know, and yeah. they're just out. They are forward advanced. They are, you know, like trying to put down um, rising threats. They're trying to recover treasure. You know, I mean, they're out there with little to no support, and they've just been doing what they can. You know, so that explains why they're not like hanging out in the Hammer Hall area. You know, with all the rest of the cool Stormcast <laughs> right. guys. Right. Yeah. You know, playing like, croquet <laughs> with their hammers. Exactly. <laughs> Could you pass me some tea, please? Please. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm kind of kicking around. I saw uh, Kendon's. Uh, you know, as our listeners will remember, Kendon is uh, the Grim Dark uh, Extraordinaire. I I was watching his little tutorial the other day on the Space Marine that he did, which was like a light blue, and he did a whole bunch of weathering on it. And I'm like, that might be kind of rad. Like that's almost a almost a light blue, um, space wolf style that he did with them. But I was also thinking that I might do like a light green armor. You know what I mean? So they're kind of a little maybe camouflagey. Not Ooh, quite. Ooh, that could be cool looking. Yeah, exactly. Um, not quite like. I mean, I'm not gonna paint camouflage on them, but like you no, know, more like of a, a green. Like a me- metallic green. Yeah. Like a real light tin tint. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think so, that would so- be cool. 
I think it would be too, and 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 do kind of their cloaks like a dark brown or black, even you know, something. Yeah. With some Ooh, silver black accents. black would look really cool. I, I like, think it would yeah, look silver awesome. Accent. Yeah. And then the Aether wings. Normally they're like like bright blue birds, you know. And I was thinking of painting them like black and brown, almost like a hawk, instead of like their weird blue color. Right. So I think it'd be rad. Um. So maybe I'll do them next. I'm also looking at a whole bunch of Skaven that I really want to get on the table, so they're calling me as well. But I, it, it has 20 clan rats in it, and then like a whole <laughs> bunch of other ones. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to get involved in all those models when I could like knock out these eight Stormcast. Is that you know? That's the upper limit, isn't it? There's an yes. upper limit of how many models you can bring to the table in Warcraft. Yes. Yes, and they reach it. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I don't think you're going to be fielding all of them. It just gives you it gives you a lot of options. Um, And I noticed with these Warcry boxes, with the with the interesting thing about them is, is like they're just like, okay, well, give them this brew, give them that brew, and mush it all together, and we'll call it a Warcry box, you know. So instead of buying a box of this and a box of that, they give you like one of each out of three different boxes and call it a day. Well, like one big sprue had 20 clan rats on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. they're just like, well, just put the sprue in there. They'll get 20 clan rats. It'll be great. <laughs> I, you know, I, it's funny. I love Warcry. It's one of my favorite games. Um, but it's not It's not a guaranteed balance when you play the game. You know, the asymmetrical. Um, very true. That 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 one time we played, you know, and it was what was it like? Uh, you had to. We pulled the mission where you had to get your dudes off the map. Yep. A certain percentage of your dudes off the map, and your guys moved like ten inches, and my guys moved like four. Right. And it was like, you know, basically it came down to just you know me waiting two turns to watch you run them off the map. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I wonder if like with Skaven, like you know, there are several of those where you have to like protect your dude. Like, all you'd have to do is pile in the corner with 20 clan rats around them, and it'd be impossible to win because there's just not enough rounds to burrow through the rats to get to your guy. Now, you say that, but I was looking at some abilities out there, like the Untamed Beasts and the Beasts of Chaos. They have this ability that's like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. He can, like, choose a guy from 8 inches away or something like that and basically be like, get over here, and it, like, makes him pile in towards you. You're talking about the harpoon, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, I think the problem is, is that you can only do that if you, um, if there's not another, uh, there's there's something about being able to block line yeah, of sight right. with, because you got 20 rats around you. I don't know yeah. if you could do that. You could probably, but yeah, I'm with you. I like that harpoon. That's a, but but here's the thing. That's only if you happen to have the warband that has those things. It's very true. It's very true. But at the same time, you um, also like had lead belchers, right? That could blast. A dude, um, even if you've got him piled in the corner. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, I think uh, yeah, I think there's, there's a stuff. lot of options out there, like in terms of range stuff. Uh, let me put it this way: I think that there's enough warbands out there that if if you were playing in like a competitive tournament or something like that, you wouldn't be able to just rely on being able to hide in the corner. Yeah. You know, because there's too many things that could counter it. And uh, even if one warband doesn't have that thing, there's plenty of other warbands that do. Um, and uh, sometimes that's not even the mission. Yep. It's true. You know, so yeah. I, 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 it's confession time again for me, though, real quick. Um, I have a problem. Is this the same problem? <laughs> no. 
Well, kind of. Uh, I got some more models, even more than the ones that, that I That is the same problem. Justin. It's the same problem. We but... need to, first step is to admit you have a problem. <laughs> I keep admitting it, and I don't get past <laughs> step one. It's not working. <laughs> um, I found... There was uh, the Games Workshop store up in Pen, uh, what is it, Penderast Village, that's up in uh, um, Fairfax. Okay. They had literally the last war cry for the Gloom Spite gets I have found anywhere. Like I've called like every store within like a like a forty mile radius and looked on Amazon, looked on. Uh, eBay. If you look on eBay, like sometimes you'll find it, but sure, it's like a hundred dollars, yeah. you know. And sure. I'm like, whoa! But they had it in the store, and he's like, "This is my last one." I was about to send it back to uh, headquarters. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'll take it." I literally turned home, like turned around on my way home from work, and went and picked it up. <laughs> yeah. So, I look. It's one of those things. I'm glad I got. I'm actually on the on the hunt for the Sylvanith one too. The Sylvanith was a great deal. But the Sylvanith was such a good deal that Age of Sigmar players were picking up that box yeah, because it was um, cheaper than getting the regular boxes. And right, you got that's what, more stuff in it. <laughs> that's where Games Workshop's like, wait a minute. Yeah, it's like, what did we do here? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, so I don't Quick, know if that one's presses. coming back. Yeah, and I can't find it. And it's too bad because trying to get those each, like those models would be like over a hundred something dollars, and it was right. like a it was like a fifty to five dollar box. So yeah. Anyway, I like I said, I have a problem, and I just need to start painting minis, and I need more display space. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, my my last thing, and this is super quick. Just plowing through the expanse. Almost done with season three. I love this show. The more I watch it, like it, it just keeps getting better. Yeah, I really like it. You finished yeah. it, right? Um, no. Remember, we talked about how um, I did have. I only watched the first season, but I read the books. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's deep right. into the book series, yeah. Okay, um, that's right. I should that's watch. Right. I should pick it up and watch. Oh, you know, and I started Wandavision this past week. Oh, nice, nice, nice. What did you think of it? So far, uh, it's it's fun. It's fun um, show to watch. Uh, it's frustration, but that's okay. It's not uh, cliche frustration. It's frustration of, oh, they almost got away, or you know that kind of yeah. stuff. How far so into it, it are so you? So far, it's good. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, five or six episodes. Okay, so you got like three, uh, three or four more. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty good. I, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad with Wandavision that I, it was weird in the beginning. You're like, I have no idea what's going on here, and I'm glad they didn't stay in that too, too long. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think the. I had enough people telling me. Oh, it was really weird the first two episodes that like I was able to kind of burrow through the first two without yeah. being off put by it. But right, yeah. right. So, because you, you, you almost kept asking yourself like, "What is happening here? Like, what is this thing that we're even doing?" Yeah, you know. So it ended up well though. It was, it was good. Cool. Good show. Yep. I heard it's actually a prequel to the Doctor Strange movie. Um, that it kind of sets up some things that happen in the Doctor Strange movie that's going to be so. Okay, got it. There's okay, not the yeah. old so Doctor Strange a... movie, the new Doctor Strange. Movie got it. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. mm, timeline doesn't work with that, but yeah, yeah, okay, got it. Yep. Yeah, the new one. So, but that that could be totally hearsay, and I could be making things up, and I don't know. Well, we'll see. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, uh you got a news intro for us. Dan's not here. Uh, nope. We de- I think we decided once that we would not take that from Dan. 
Okay, well, welcome to the Geek News. There's our intro. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we will not take it from Dan. That's right. Uh, yeah, that is his thing. That is his thing. Uh, so Outriders is coming to Xbox Game Pass on day one. They have Xbox assures us that it is not an April Fool's joke because it's being released on uh, 01 April. Yeah. But uh, this is a great example of how Xbox and Microsoft, well, not even Xbox, Microsoft, is tr- truly investing in, in delivering quality content well, I'll pause on quality there, but producing lots of content for people who pay for these subscriptions, right? Yeah. This is Outriders is a game that has been in development since 2015. Yeah. This is yeah. not. Which, by the way, whenever a game has been in development that long, you start to wonder: Is this going to be another cyberpunk? But uh, yeah. Still, still, this one's had a demo out. Um, it's had a demo out on um, and it, uh, on Xbox, and it, it's had something like two million players or something on the demo and it's gotten you know pretty good praises online uh people some people point out the flaws it's fine but a lot of people say a lot of positive stuff about it i watched a few i haven't played the demo myself but i watched a few of the videos and this is not a reaction podcast but uh i will say just watching it it looks like it's got gameplay that is similar to uh, a little bit similar to destiny maybe a little bit similar to gears of war yep um, so I'm interested in I'm interested in one because I already paid for the subscription and it's basically just part of the part of the package to give it a try. It's got a co-op in it, which could be fun too. And it looks like the combat's actually pretty quick, pretty fast combat and pretty engaging. Nice. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. Um, there, and you had put a bullet in there too. Um, you want to hit that? Yeah. So um, I saw an article the other day that a huge trove of Bethesda games is coming out or will come out soon on the Xbox Games Pass, which I think is awesome. In fact, yeah, uh, my son's, it is here. My son's like, hey, dad, oh, you can play the next iteration. You can play Doom, uh, Doom 3. I'm like, oh, well, Doom 3 is before <laughs> the other ones that like, I've been playing. You know? Yeah. You know, but, it's um, interesting. Doom 3, in my opinion, was the scariest Doom. Out of all of them. Do you I remember Doom honest, 3? I don't think I even played it. So Doom 3 was the version where in order to shoot, you had to put the flashlight down. The whole oh. game was like a flashlight game where you're walking around with a flashlight. Yeah. And to shoot, you had to drop the flashlight to pull your gun up. Oh, my god! So it was an interesting mechanic. It was That one actually had more like jump scares in it than um, the rest of the game is just kind of run and gun. Yeah. Yeah. The Doom 3 was a little bit of a scary one. but Yeah, there's like 20 games that hit it. Yeah, and listen, those are going to be here to stay. I mean, when they own Microsoft it... Microsoft owns them. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they may kind of come and go a little bit, but uh, I, there's a there's a lot of them. Like, Sea of Thieves has been around for since its inception. Yeah, here, you know? here's here's one on there. One of my favorite games of all time, The Evil Within. Oh, came, yeah. Came over with that. That is a great game. You know, I mean, hopefully you've figured out that I like games that are very weird and like... You know, screw with the mind and stuff like that. And that is a game that is a very, and you know, it's a very much a horror game, like a Resident yep. Evil style horror. But combine that with like, uh, combine that with um, some serious mental twisting of your reality. At the, you know, one point in the game, it's like you get deep in the game, and you're like, I have no idea what is in my head and what is actually real anymore right. as I'm playing the game in this character in the character's mind. But uh, great, great game. Highly recommend pushing through that game. It it just gets it that thing ramps up and it stays ramped up until the end. 
Yeah. I love awesome. it. Recommend it. Not for kids in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> don't yeah. let your kid download that one. No, and don't let them walk in on you when you're playing it no, either. No. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, check out Xbox Games Pass. There's a lot of good stuff going on with it. And it's all, I mean, I would say looking at this right now, um, almost all of those games are on Windows, PC, and console. Yes. Which is like, you know, it used to be there was PlayStation, there was an Xbox, and there was the Nintendo guys in the corner. And then there was the PC Master Class, right? Or yep. the Master Race. And it was always the PlayStation and Xbox guys were always spitting on each other and saying, we're better, no, you're better, no, we're better. And then and on the sideline, there were the PC guys just like, ha those little younglings yeah, you right. know, down there complaining. Well, guess what, dude? The Xbox team and the PC team are on the same team now. Yeah. With my, yeah. what Microsoft is doing with all this stuff. It's so. kind of a, it's becoming a real behemoth. And, and uh, oh, it's yeah. interesting to watch the um, gaming press, like kind of the gaming media respond to this shift in Xbox's strategy. Yeah. Um, because they used to be such PlayStation fanboys. Oh my gosh. Like the they, media. you could, like PlayStation could do no wrong, you know? Yeah. And now it's interesting because they've gone from grudgingly admitting that Xbox <laughs> is doing something correct, you know, to now being like, I, I read an article the other day, like I, um, I gave I gave up playing on my PS5 and I only play on Xbox Series X. Here's why, you know what I mean? And um, it's interesting seeing these articles coming out. And and uh, if you notice the conversation. Even last year when they had their whole um, demo, like there's the uh, Xbox uh, uh, summer preview, you remember? Mm -hmm. And all the news coming out of that was like, well, they don't seem to have a lot of first party exclusives. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. or like you know, or, or Xbox exclusives. And right after that, they announced they're acquiring Bethesda. Right after that, they like overhauled i mean not really overhauled but updated a lot of like the stuff that's going on with the games pass and and you're not hearing them talk about exclusives anymore i think bethesda or not bethesda xbox really changed the conversation um about what is an offering and what value do you get from a gaming system now it's um it's really cool man i mean you think it used to be that if I wanted to play a game on my console, I had to buy it on the console. If I wanted to play it on the PC, I either had to rebuy it. Yeah. Uh, no, I did. I had to rebuy it. You know, I, it was like that for me with Diablo three. I think I own like three versions of Diablo three right now. But um, not anymore, man. I mean, I can play a game on my Xbox. I can then log into a PC, pick up the game from where I left off, and then I can, when I leave, I can pull up my phone and pull up the cloud app on my phone and continue playing the game That's on so my phone. Insane. It's like, it's it's really, they're really taking it to heart of play anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, and I, it, you know, I think it probably, people who listen to the podcast probably think these guys really... You know, they lean towards Xbox, and that's probably true because I think yeah. most of us, most of our friends are on Xbox. We just, most of our multiplayer gaming is it's on true. Xbox. It's true. I had a PS3 for a long time, and then um, when we started playing Halo, like, um, doing, like, uh, LAN parties, yeah, right, uh -huh. with Halo 3 and, and 4 eventually, 
um, I just was like, all my friends have Xboxes. So I ended up selling my PS3 and getting an Xbox 360, you know? Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I think I have, you know, I, I, like I said, I am someone who has data on both sides. I've owned a PS3 for, uh, a PS3, a PS4, an Xbox original, Xbox 360, Xbox One, mm-hmm. um, and I like both systems. I've always yeah. liked both systems. I love the games on both. I'm just, just to be honest, right? And, oh, and a PC gamer. I've, you know, I play PC game gaming as well. Yeah. I've got a rig. But just to be honest, man, the interface of the Xbox, the Xbox community has kept, has been more interesting to me than mm-hmm. the PlayStation or even the PC. The PCC, the PC one, you know, Steam has helped a lot there, but it still feels a little bit more you know, um, disjointed than like the Xbox, which really seems to have pulled together a community in my opinion yeah, uh, of gaming. But that's just, you know, having experienced all three of those. Oh, and I have a Nintendo Switch and that usually just hand that to my kids and let them play those games. But Yeah, anyways. you know, it's interesting. I, the, the PC community, I don't know. Um, I don't know if uh, that would really be my bag. Like, yeah, I'll tell it, you this. They, they, they it's a lot rougher. A lot of, yeah, is it's it? It's really? a lot rougher. I, Interesting. I mean, I played on. I played PC games since you know. Well, who knows? Since back when I had a uh, Commodore sixty four, right? Although yeah. to be fair, it was a Commodore one twenty eight emulating sixty four. But anyways, uh, I think. Um, and uh, when they became online, I mean, I was dialing into BBSs, to bulletin board systems, and playing Doom. Yeah, original yeah, doom yeah. and quake yeah. and uh at that point it was fun because everybody if you had figured out how to connect online you were typically a tech savvy guy that was just cool or or gal we had you know right. plenty in there but uh but then once it started to kind of open up to where anyone didn't even really know how to do it they could just plug it in and find a server that's when you started to get kind of the griefers and it just really and stuff like uh counter strike uh the counter strike world started to explode with um just just mean people i think yeah. at yeah. time and I, fe- I felt like on xbox like every now and then you know back on the original xbox you play halo and there'd be there'd be trash <laughs> or talkers. call of duty you know? yeah or, oh yeah call of duty but i never felt like anyone was really like you know like a jerk it was there was tra- there was standard you know competitive trash talk but yeah at the end of the game everyone was like hey guys good game you know it was fun um we'll catch you next time yeah. I just never felt like there was as much kind of aggression as I did on the PC. Interesting. Even on the PlayStation, uh, people were yeah. nice on the PlayStation. It's just I don't know. Huh. Anyways, a little bit of a little bit of a soapbox here. I'll just step off. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Uh, I got one more piece of news here. Let's see. Uh, uh, Mythic Games. We had Lincoln on just the other day. Uh, to tell us about Mythic Games, and one of the games he talked about was Super Fantasy Brawl. And he loves this game. He thinks it is fantastic. Well, guess what? Round two of Kickstarter has opened up. You can go in and get your uh, Super Fantasy Brawl game going. He plays it with his kids. He says there's a lot of great stuff that's going on there. And um, uh, check it out. It looks like it's a lot of fun. In fact, you and I may be playing that this weekend. Maybe. Yeah, I got work. if I can get work off. But you we'll make it happen. I know. I gotta. We gotta try. We gotta try. Yep. Should be fun. Yeah. Um, well, we had no. We had one. Um, we'll 
we have one other big one right at the end of this big news item, right? Nova Open. Yeah. Yeah. Nova uh, Open has officially been canceled. Uh, that sucks. I was hoping they'd do it. You know what kind of sucks for me is I got like $300 riding in this thing. <laughs> it's right, you do. From Maybe like 400 actually. Yeah, because um, um, what happened is two years ago, I went to go take a painting class that was like $150 or something like that. And it was going to be like three days, 12 hours a day. I was super excited about it. It's like one of my favorite painters was doing it. Um, and it turns out I got a new job in that moment. Um, and I couldn't take off the full week cause I literally was starting that week, you know, so I couldn't take off the full week to do the painting class and, uh, play in the tournaments. So I just decided to play in the tournaments. Um, and so they rolled the credit forward, which was great of them. And then I had that credit signed up for another painting class, even signed up for some more like, uh, you know, tournament play. So I had like, I had like $400 ready to go and then they canceled it. So I said, yeah, it'll, it will be back next year. So I pulled it up again and just said, just roll it over and we're canceled again this year. So I don't know what's going to happen to my money. I don't know what's going to happen to Nova open. Do you think they can survive two years in a row? Did you read the, did you read the email? Uh, I scanned it right before here. So they were talking about solvency issues and, uh, you know, and, and I think, I think the solvency issues is if they had, um, if I, if I was reading it correctly, what I think the solvency issues was, is that if they had moved forward to host the thing, um, after March 1st is like when they needed to get their agreements in place. And if they had to cancel it, that would have totally ruined them. You know what I mean? Um, and I think right now they're kind of just hanging by the skin of their teeth with it. So we had we had thoughts about this last year. Remember? Um, we did. I, my opinion, I've, I've always thought they were too expensive of a con to begin with. So it's, it's interesting you bring that up. So, you know, we, we talked about it last year about how, okay, like, what's the real cost here? Like, maybe they had to put a deposit down or something like that for the hotel. Maybe that was a lot, but really at the end of the day, like, what like what was going on that, like, they were facing serious, like, financial ruin? Because that's what they made it sound like last year, remember? Yeah. And um, so we were just like, okay, well, like, what's happening, you know? And uh, for those that aren't aware, Nova Open is a, and I'm putting this in quotes, charitable foundation. <laughs> <laughs> I and and I don't Quotes. mean to say I don't mean to say that they are not charitable because they do give to charity. Um, they confirm that. However, uh, they say all the proceeds go to charity. Well, when when people say proceeds go to charity, like what does that mean? You know what I mean? Uh, because that is with everyone. Yeah. Yeah, because it could just mean like after all of our expenses, there's ten cents left over, and we sure gave that Ronald McDonald house that dime. You know, um, or whatever it was. So, um, you know, uh, we had a friend uh, who who kind of, I think, niggled in our ear a little bit about uh, how it was run and how he doesn't go anymore um, because he thought that the way that they run it is uh, kind of cheating the players out of uh, out of what they should be normally entitled to at a at a wargaming convention. Yeah, I will say this. I did have a lot of fun the year that I did go. Um, yeah. It was fun. And um, there was a good pizza place right around the corner. 
There was. There was a great pizza place right around the corner. Yeah, um, Zelly's. Yeah, we listen. I had a lot of t- I had a lot of fun. I know that last year there was a lot of consternation about the price going up, and you were concerned about that too. You're like, oh, I don't even know if I'm going to go this year. It's just too much money, and I got to take out the time. And and I get that. Um, and uh, and then our friend was telling us about price support and how that's just not even comparable to half the other conventions that are cheaper. So it kind of begs the question of like, what's going on? So I think there's some people that are upset with it. Um, I, I literally was looking at my text messages just a second ago and someone said Nova opens canceled. And our buddy was like, like that yeah. message. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, a, um, a little bit of a, yeah. I wonder if there's a contingent of people that would like to see this, the Nova open go away and reemerge as something different. Maybe more in line with some of the other cons that are out there. So, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Like, yeah. how many times have I said that in this podcast already? But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's everything. There's there's a lot that we're just going to see how it rolls out here in, at the end of this year. You um, know you know what will be interesting is if they cancel, right? And um, let's say they cancel now. Totally understandable. But let's say by June or July, things are looking interesting. Uh, my brother just hit me up and said, hey, what's the name of that big gaming convention in Columbus, Ohio? And I said, it's Origins, and it's happening mm-hmm. in June normally. He says, well, they just pushed it out to September. And I said, oh, really? That's interesting. You know? So um, it sounds like Origins may still be planning to have their convention. Yeah. Um, and so, but my point is, is this, is that if Nova Open decides to cancel their thing, that could leave the door open for another group of players to put maybe not a huge convention like that, but maybe a um, larger than a normal grand tournament, you know, that may have only 20 people at it or 30 people even. Maybe there's a 100-person grand tournament that they could run. And, um, you know, maybe that's the seeds for the new for the new thing. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, with, well, we'll see what happens with, you know, the vaccine that's kind of rolling out. They say, uh-huh. was it, the, was it our, our president who says that, uh, by May he, he is his, his goal is by May that everybody that wants the vaccine will have been able to have received it Yeah. by May of this year. And he said, uh, he wants to have things back to normal by July 4th. Yeah. Maybe we can you have know? our pancake breakfast this year. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can have a pancake breakfast whenever you want, Jason. Well, but... Yeah, but I mean, I miss that, man. Our, you know, our, our church, we did like a, you oh, know, really? like a 200 per every 4th of July that I've lived here, except for last year because of COVID. Um, we have done like a 200-person pancake breakfast at our church. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it's and I look forward to it because it's like all the all, all bunch of buddies and friends, we just come with our griddles. And we set yeah. up in you know in the kitchen of the church like early in the morning, and we just hang out there and flip pancakes and and just talk, you know, just talk for like you know an hour and a half, just and making, making like pancakes. something like you know five hundred pancakes or something. It's just good times. Yeah, and I and missed who doesn't it last love pancakes? Year. I know I missed it last year, <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, say it again. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Good news, Jason. That was the good. Uh, I, mean, I mean, none of it was good news necessarily. <laughs> right. I get that writers coming to Xbox is good news, but yeah, yeah. 
Um, all right, so let's talk about our main topic, which is uh, building on from last week. Uh, let's talk about running the mystery. So we talked about writing it, you know, creating those lily pads, making the connections, maybe giving some players secrets, um, you know, having the twist in there, like, you know, um, all that kind of development. So let's talk about actual implementation of running a mystery. Um, so let's let's almost do this in chronological order so before you get to the table what can you do let's say you've already written the mystery right and you've got the plan but what can you do as a gm to help facilitate this and help make it run better props props they don't they don't have to be big though i mean okay and they can be and let's be fair so um actually let me back up on that so maybe not necessarily visual props Okay. But uh, note cards that uh, have yeah. clues on them. Yep. So if, you know, let's, because this is one thing, right? Like, have you ever been playing a game, an RPG, and you uncover some part of the, of the, uh, you know, the puzzle, and then an hour and a half later, you're like, you're like snapping fingers and you ask the GM out of character, like, uh, what, what was the name of that guy that we talked to <laughs> yeah, back right. in the bar? I'm, I'm asking my character would know. My character would remember, but. Right, but, exactly. You know, it's like, and you're you like, know, would he though? Yeah, and then he, you always have the he? you always have the guy who like writes down every single thing. Yes, you know, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, actually, his name was Bartholomew, not Bartholomew." Right, 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 right. Well, GM, you said that his tattoo was on the right side of the. So, um, <laughs> I think uh, I think you're right, you know, not his right. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, I was saying I meant like right is incorrect, not as in like left. But no. Um, so I think. You know, just having note cards so that with with really key important clues, mm -hmm. so that when they let's say that when they uncover a part, you can just give them that note card. Say, yeah. Here you go. Yep. You know, this here's here's something. Or I'll tell you this. Years ago, I did one where uh, the players had to uncover a map, right? Like a yeah. treasure map or something. This was a long time ago, and um, I actually like drew a little map, right? And um, and I I burned the edges with a match. <laughs> nice. And I rolled it up and tied it with like a little piece of ribbon or oh, twine cute. or something. Yeah, it was cute. And so when they found the map, I literally like pulled it out of my bag and handed it to them. Yeah. And it was just it was really cool. But uh So I think, I think that Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that I think that um those kinds of things you could do whether you're playing a mystery or not. Right. But exactly. they I think that they help a lot in mysteries because typically with mysteries you're trying to, you know, you're trying to piece the clues together up on the virtual board and draw the strings and then you're going to have to erase strings and reconnect them as you get more clues maybe out of sequence. Yep. I think it would just help for them to have something in front they can reference. 100%. And and, and you made that exact point that I was going to say which is you you know you can have these in every game, but in mysteries, they're just 10 times more important yeah. and, and more valuable. Um, I'm going to add to this as well, which is, um, especially if there's going to be a lot of NPCs that they're going to be interacting with. Yeah. they got to go talk to Charlie down at the docks and Sophia over at the bar and, you know, whoever else. Like, um, having player cards and pictures that you know that you totally. can put on the table and say hey this is charlie you know and he's got like a you know a, a thing um when we were at a catacon i was playing a legend of the five rings game and um you know it's very heavily uh japan either chinese or japanese influence right i think japanese mostly and you are um 
I mean, it was very heavily or, you know, uh, uh, Asian, uh, Asian oriented. <laughs> Definitely not oriental. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely but, not oriental. Uh, yeah. Asian. <laughs> so, um, but it was heavily influenced from that. And sometimes the names, because it was a, like a, you know, because it was like a, a an Asian language. Yeah. Um, was to difficult remember. to track and harder yeah. to remember and you know you're like well wait was that mr nakamoto or mr nakamura yeah right <laughs> you know and you're like uh so the play so the the gm who had run this module before he had oh and 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 add to the complexity of this you had different clans that you were moving between you know what i mean so it was like wait was this guy the head of that clan or was he the uh, warlord in that other clan you know what i mean and like so he had cards that he laid out on the table with the names and a picture and a colored background depending on what clan that they were yeah in. that's perfect and so you had it down there and you could just look at that and be like okay we talked to that lady who fell in love with that guy over there so we got a romeo and juliet thing going on but it sounds like this guy may have killed that guy you know what i mean <laughs> and so you're so literally you're doing the charlie day red strings up on the wall being like no 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 hear me out you know yeah, um yeah but it was only possible because he had those cards there because I could not have even written that down well enough because I wasn't keeping it straight in my own head. Um, you know, even in the moment when he was telling me, he almost needed to be like, no, no, literally, it's this dude from this clan. And you're like, oh, right. Got it. Because I can see that. So I think um, if you've got a lot of, you know, places to go and characters, it, it's almost like the game of Clue, which is kind of crazy. But if you've got a lot of like people you need to accuse and places you need to be, you should have those things out there that people can either reference them or eliminate them off their list as they as they look, you know, I think it's um, having the different colored background for the clan. You know, it's that that's a really unique. That shows that the GM un could recognize ahead of time places where players may get stuck. Yeah. Um, just giving a little bit more information so that you know the the neurons in our heads can form pathways uh, yeah. to make these pattern matching. You know, oh, those guys are both red. They must be you know on the same team or something like that. So. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was a mystery that we were playing. In fact, it was like if I remember correctly, it was a Romeo and Juliet esque mystery. Right. Two two people had run off to elope and um Two one people. clan thought one clan thought that the other one had kidnapped her you know and then the other one thought that the other clan had murdered the guy so they were about to <laughs> so they were about to like go to war and we had to like figure out what happened yeah. and it turns out they eloped and I like, caused all these problems you know for everybody i like the uh the place tell you a little bit about the people of that clan well he's been missing so he must be kidnapped the other one well he's been missing so he must be murdered <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> it's like Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Good times, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, how how would how do you like to kick off a mystery? I mean, there's different ways to do this. Do you like to do you like to drop them in the action right away? Do you like you know we talked about like maybe rolling out player secrets like the movie clue, you know, where everybody had their own thing and they were kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Like I I think it's a little bit story dependent, but. Like, if you had your druthers, how would you do it? I think it's story dependent, but I talked about it last time. I think it, you kick it off with player secrets. Uh -huh. uh, all right, you're getting ready to play the game. You know, usually when we're doing one shots, and I, my opinion, um, I think mysteries are best played in one shots. 
that, yes. that's my opinion. We can kind of maybe come back to that. Oh, but that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that, um, I think that, uh, when you start off as a one shot, you get everybody going, typically people are kind of bringing, you come together with a bunch of predefined players you say, all right, who wants to play this kind of a person who wants to play this kind of a person. And then you hand them a player secret associated with that individual. I think it makes it really easy to uh, get players wrapped into the mystery and wrapped into being feeling connected to why they need to solve the mystery. Yeah. Versus just saying, you know, I don't care about that painting. You know, I let it burn. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, versus, uh, oh, actually, you know, it says here in my player secret that uh, that painting um, actually has a secret code in it that only my family is aware of or something like that, you know. It's right. Just, it gives them something that feels a little part of part of the mystery and maybe gives them a key that we talked about last time gives them a key that could let them pull back a little part of the curtain that other people couldn't pull back yeah so player secrets handing out player secrets at the beginning that tie into the mystery i think are a very useful and an easy tool for getting your players wrapped in as a kickoff point yeah definitely i agree um I kind of like a little bit of both. I mean, um, so when I was running my burb style uh, adventure at a catacon and with some other people, um, I had everybody have some player secrets, right? And boom, an event kicked off the session. Like right away, a woman ran into town screaming that um, something came out of the woods and kidnapped her husband and son. You know, yeah. and um, it's kind. Of, the thing is, is the player secrets like allowed the players to jump to conclusions right away. You know what I yep. mean? Because mm-hmm. some of the some of the player secrets were like, well, you you know, your sheep have been going missing and eaten. Oh yeah, that's good. You know, and so it's like, well, there's something out in the woods. I got to go take care of it. You know, and um, turns out that that it was just a big red herring. Yeah, would you, know? you ever give them player secrets that um, intentionally mislead? Yeah, uh, yes. I, I mean, well, so in this adventure specifically, um, everybody had like one relevant piece of detail, you know, and maybe that was the only thing that they had. But some of them just had like, you know, other just random things and it like didn't even matter. But um, they thought it did. of course they did right yeah your sheep have gone missing you've noticed that your neighbor bob's dog seems to be you know getting fatter and yeah (laughs) yeah well Well, bob's getting fatter well here's the deal is my that whole adventure that i ran the burb style was that they were accusing so the this is the best part the players did you ever play this session with me? I don't yeah, think I played, you did. I, did you? Oh, no, you did. I played it with you. We dry ran. Yeah. So um, so the players are a group of citizens in this little hamlet. And there's this strange family that moves into this this house. And there's a lot of like weird stuff happening. And everybody thinks that it's them. You know what I mean? Because of like things that they're seeing. Like, um, you know, uh, I, I can't remember right offhand. But the player secrets are leading them to think that it's them. And uh, that's just that was just a big red herring, but you kind of get to, I mean, it's always fun watching the players unravel what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, but it's so much fun to watch them go down the path 
and uh, at a catacomb, they actually burned down the family's house. I remember you telling me that. <laughs> They're like, these guys are going to die. And like, and the family was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were like not involved at all in it. Nope. You know, and so, nope. so they're like, oh, crap. And you know what's awesome? What was awesome about that is like as soon as they realized that they were in the wrong with that, they started to go back and look at the clues again. And they're like, oh, oh. Oh my, (laughs) you know, and it was just like, they had gotten so tunnel visioned on the family that, um, and you know, I put in the player secrets that, um, the, you know, I, I talk about the family, oh, the new family moved in and this, and the new family moved in and in that, you know what I mean? And so they, their brains automatically tied it to that new family, whatever was happening was automatically tied in, but I never wrote it that way though. It's funny to see group think happen in an RPG table. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So uh, well, it just takes one guy's recommendation. You know what would really solve this problem? Let's just burn the house down. Burn the you know house what? down. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's not a bad idea. You know what? <laughs> Thing you know, so the players great. are leading a pitchfork mob down the streets. Oh, dude, it was so great. It <laughs> literally just, happened. I, I could see you smiling as this was happening. <laughs> Where does this stop? Oh, yeah, exactly. So, um, so. So yeah, listen. I mean, um, I kicked it off with action, but uh, that kind of you know me talking about this kind of leads us into the next one, which is red herrings are a great thing. So uh, you know you got to kind of put this into your planning, but um, sometimes red herrings will pop up. So just to clarify, if our audience doesn't know what a red herring is, it's it's basically a false lead, you know, to that that they may follow down the path. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes those things pop up organically, and those are the most fun to run with. So now, now I think I, you and I share a little bit different opinions on this one. Really? Yeah. So, so, so for me, like if they start barking up the wrong tree, I kind of let it go for a little bit. I like you, it. Yeah, you do. You like it. You, you get that uh, little little sadistic part of you there. Oh, absolutely. That'll. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing. I I don't mind red herrings and I uh-huh. like I'm I don't mind when players get off on it. But what I will do is if I notice that players get really invested yeah. in a red herring, yeah. I'll I'll do what I've said before is I'll move the cheese. Sure. Like, okay. you know, let let I'll give you an example. Let's say that <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. Let's say that there is a casino. Okay. And that casino <laughs> is one place these players could go. And it's it's maybe not where the real, you know, clue is. But uh-huh. if those players spend half an hour to forty five minutes engaging and building relationships and getting trying to get information, I would move the object to be in the casino. Sure, sure. In the middle of the game. Yeah. Anyways, that's so. So we've got to we've got to explain this a little bit. Um, Jason and Lincoln uh, and our buddy Nick were running in a session um, and of Rogue Trader, and they had a uh, moment where they needed to find. Well, you guys were looking for a guide. Uh, right, yeah, you're a, for guide a guide to yep. get you to the Citadel of Skulls. Right, and um, you thought that there was definitely going to be someone in the casino that could help you out. Yeah, we did. Right, and Nick is like, I want to go to the arena and fight somebody. You know, and um, I had decided in that moment that 
there well actually I didn't decide in that moment. I just wanted to see where you guys could get and like what 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 you were going to do to find out the information. Like I knew I had the guys information and I could have given it in any location that you guys went, you know. Um you guys had this elaborate plan to like basically help uh essentially bribe a patron there in the casino, Jeff to get us to the high stakes table. To get you to the high stakes table, who could get you the name of the guy that you needed to go see, right? So I think I think the way it was is we found Jeff and we asked Jeff if he knew anything about this area we need to go to. And Jeff's like Jeff's like a drunk, broken yeah. gambler, right? He's like, I don't, but tell you what, if you can help me get in this high stakes game, I know somebody that can. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So we just kept funneling money into Jeff. <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. And mean, mean. In the meantime, like I, I had already kind of set up that uh, that Nick um, was kind of making some inroads with the owner of the he fighting was, yeah. pit, and um, he turns out that they were taking fighters over to do private fights at the Citadel of Skulls. So he knew a guy that could get could get them over there so the group had already kind of found the name but boy it was sure fun watching you guys try to pull it out of jeff (laughs) my favorite part is we get through the whole thing we get a guy we get him out out of the casino and we hide we get a cab we get into the cab and then he says i don't know where that place is and we're like what so what did we do? Do you remember what we did? Oh, you locked him in. The, you paid the cab driver to just walk away from his cab, yep. and Lincoln this was took Lincoln. a flamer and torched and set, the cab. And torched the cab. <laughs> a little bit of a bitter side of Lincoln there, I think. Oh gosh, that was that was so great. You know what though? You guys <laughs> had a good. good time. You guys had a good time gambling with Jeff though. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. fun. It was pretty fun. But yes, I understand what you're saying is, um, if they go down a path too long, you got to know your probably players. Just throw throw them a bone, right? Yeah. And, and kind of let them play. So like you knew Lincoln and I, you knew we were good sports that we would have walked out of that no problem, just having yes. a good time. But uh, yep. other players and gamers that we've played with. You know, you got to know your player. If you know your player is going to get really frustrated that they invested all this time and energy into one aspect, move the cheese and just yeah. make it easy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is I think it's okay to let players flounder a little bit, you know, when they're trying to figure something out. Um, but especially if it's a one shot, man, you got to move, you got to move the story along. Yeah. Right. You can't sit there forever and be like, well, if you guys don't know, you don't know. I mean, that's like the absolute worst thing that you could do. Just remember it's about fun. If you start to see any moment, any you know, whether it's body language from your players or, you know, the diction they're using, any any key to frustration entering the table is when it's time to move on. And this is where I think that if you've got a bunch of, um, you know, clues in your back pocket, you know, that like maybe they would find in another scene, but they decided to go to this one. Maybe the guy's got a wadded up piece of paper in his in his wallet. You know what I mean? Something, that, yeah. that gives them the clue. I mean, even if it's to get them to the area that they have to go to, like if that's the way you wrote it, like they have to go to area X to be able to get the clue that they need. Well, puts a put a matchbook in their pocket, you know, and when they find that, make it very obvious that that is very important, <laughs> you know. Right. Which gets or, to your next point, yeah. Yeah, so um 
Yeah, so, you know, you can let him flounder a little bit. I think that that's healthy because I think it um, – I think – I think if if you make it too easy, then there's no mystery about it, right? If it's way too easy, they're just in a narrative. But if you make it too hard, then it's like, well, we're not detectives in real life, so how are we supposed to figure this stuff out, you know? Um, and so there's a, there's a nice balance. But I think if you let them flounder for a little bit, it helps them engage some of those critical thinking skills. And sometimes they come up with really creative solutions mm-hmm. and i love to reward creative solutions like if they if they come up with a really cool thing i'm like well i'm totally giving them the clue now that's really amazing oh my gosh you just reminded me of a meme that one of my friends posted on facebook today where uh it was like the dm gives you these tools and it's like a loaf of bread like ham and uh like uh cheese uh-huh. and it's like you look at anything oh the DM just wants us to make a ham and cheese sandwich. And then they show like four or five pictures of what the players created. And it's like these amalgamations of like, you know, crazy, like it's two pieces of ham with a slice of bread in between them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like stuff like that. The DM's just banging their head on the table, you know, just like, no. (laughs) So So they can be creative. Sometimes yeah. they can be overly creative. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, one thing that I have personally learned in running mysteries is that when you state the obvious, you really have to state the obvious. Oh, yeah. Like a lot. And we've talked about this in previous like tips, GM tips and things like that. I don't think that that's just for mysteries, you know, but um, I, I learned the hard way one time. It was, it was one of the first adventures I had ever run. I thought I was being super clever and I had all this stuff in there and I was being clever. I mean, I thought it out. I you was know? being clever. I was, but I was. the problem was, is I was being too clever by half, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. um, I overthought it. I over prepared it. And, uh, when it came time for them to be like, ha ha, you guys are going to be, you guys are going to be able to figure it out. They were like, Hmm, this is weird. I don't know what to do now. And you're like, it's right there, you know. It's 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 like watching a play where the audience knows the thing that's going on, but the character doesn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, well, it's so obvious, and it really like to the character, it's not. So something I've I've been in these situations before where I've stated something I thought was obvious, and the players start hunting down. They're like, I can see them totally starting to go off the wrong path. And when yeah. that happens as a GM, I usually just inter- interject and I say, I'll do I'll say something like, um, you know, uh, you you can tell that based on you know your your prior time in the uh, you know in the in the mages guild uh, that this 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 line of reasoning really doesn't really make sense with the clue that you heard that you read. Um, right. so give me, give me a roll and they have to be careful there because you don't want to make, you don't ever want to make a player roll where First, failing that role <laughs> fails the clue. Yeah, yeah. Fails the clue. But, and, and most of the time when I, and just a little secret, most of the time when I say something like that, I really don't care at all what they roll. hundred percent. This is a really <laughs> good tip, everybody. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It matter. Um, and what, what what happens with me is um, if if they need a clue or something like that, and I'm like, yeah, give me an insight check. You know what I mean? And they'll roll. If they get the positive roll, like above 10, 
I'll say, oh man, like you absolutely yeah. were able to piece it together and like all this amazing stuff, right? And if they don't get it, right, if they fail the role, I'm like, you realize that this isn't really the thing that you were looking for and that maybe, you know, I mean, it's like yeah, a, just it's it like the positive clue in a negative context, right? Like yep. this wasn't the thing that you were looking for. However, you realize that this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, you don't, you don't want it to be on rails, but sometimes you got to get them back, get them back onto the track if they're just getting way off because you know like yeah. you said if if you let them go down a certain path they could just get totally frustrated and at some points it's just you can't you just can't move the cheese but uh yeah you gotta help them but don't be afraid to use stuff like that at the end of the day it's about telling a story together and having fun right? yeah yeah and and i you know and i think there's a there's a difference too when you're playing with your friends that you got a long campaign going on man if they want to spend a whole session in a casino hanging out <laughs> Right. They can do that. That might be yeah. a lot of fun. Maybe a lot of fun, right? And and you'll have stories forever to tell about it. Um, so you're welcome. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the other thing, though, is if you've got a four-hour time limit, um, move it on. you got to get it along. going. Yep. Got to keep it moving, you know? Uh, because it, it's like it would be a real bummer if you only got through half of the thing because the DM just let you, like, Search every box like Skyrim, you know. <laughs> like, oh, now I'm encumbered. What do I do? Uh, eat, eat five of the leets. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like I found another wooden spoon. Should I keep it? Yeah, you should <laughs> <Right>. keep it. <laughs> yes, always. <laughs> what is this person doing with a bone in here? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, more so, flowers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, all right, so wrapping it up. How do you wrap up? like a good mystery in theory you should have the ending right yeah you mean like how do you wrap it up once they've solved the mystery uh you know i i would say like the last little bit like in solving the mystery like mm-hmm. how, do, how do you make sure that there's like the, the 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 payoff at the end well i think you've got to have that pre-written okay okay um you, you know what whether it's well i don't know man because this is and I'll tell you, I have walked away from a DM table not telling the players what the overall uh, story sure. was if sure. they don't figure it out, right? Yeah. And maybe, and I don't mean like, oh, sorry guys, you lose, time's up, uh, have fun in your next session. It's, you know, they they get to some amount of conclusion right. that brings them satisfaction as players. That doesn't mean you have to say when, all right, thanks guys, that was fun. Now let me tell you about all the stuff that I had actually planned that you didn't visit yet, you know? That, right. That's the kind of stuff, you know, remember, it's about evolving a story. So if they get, if they only reveal a portion of the mystery, but they still have a conclusion, you know, they maybe they have a battle at the end or, or yep. they uncover some, you know, mysterious lineage that uh, helps them save the world or something. Let, let that be it. Let that be it. Stop it there and, and, and say that, you know, you guys, you guys figured out this really important part. And uh, because, because of your efforts, blah 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 blah, and you know, yeah. roll it off. But uh, you don't have to. You don't have to expose it. I guess is what I'm getting. At. And there might be some cool hooks that you could do later. Like if you're in a longer campaign, maybe they solve part A of it, and part B is going to come around and bite them in the butt because they didn't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe that's like in four sessions from now. It'd be like, oh my gosh, we didn't do this, and now we got to go take care of that problem. I think you it's. Know? I think it's a little, um, you know, I'm very much a um, uh, an improv DM. Like uh-huh. I come with a skeleton, and then I let the players 
almost tell me the story as as they evolve it. I'm just there to kind of guide them along some key points. But you have to be. I would say this, like I've learned to do that. Um, it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult to try to do that off the ground because you can start. You can start just destroying your puzzle. Um, yes, if you absolutely. go down wrong paths, and then you'll get to the end, and you'll be like, "You guys figured it out." You know, Bob was the uncle of, and they're like, "Wait, that's not possible because Bob was the cousin of." And you're like, <laughs> right, "Oh, right. well, uh, incest." You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> that tree just how... branch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know. Don't be afraid to just end it where where they where they come as long as it feels satisfying. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously be cognizant of people's time. I don't know. Um, what, about, what do you think? I, yeah, so I, I agree with all of that. I was gonna say my my pointer on this one would be um, ensure good pacing um, mm-hmm. with it at the end because it's too easy just to like explode it all at once. Like, ah, the whole thing happened right now. Ha ha! You found it. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and they're like, "Holy crap!" Like, 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 what happened? You know, and it's almost like you know they they cracked open Pandora's box and everything came gushing out at once, right? Um, yeah. What I what I kind of like to do is trickle it a little bit, and then they all of a sudden they open a door, you know, like and this could be a figurative door, like they they kind of open a door to, in the mystery, and and they're rewarded with more things, and as they go, they're rewarded with more things, it, up until they get to the end, and all of a sudden they've locked maybe like four out of the five puzzle pieces in place, and then I like to have something at the end that's sort of the um. You know how they have the, your your Greek tragedy arc, right? Which is like the uh, setting, conflict, you know, um, climax, and then there's like the, they call it the denouement, right? Which is the unwinding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like to have a, the, maybe the fifth piece in the denouement part, right? So they they have the battle or whatever because they've gotten all the clues have pointed them to this area, this person, this time. We've got to go take care of it boom maybe the why and maybe some of the how they can figure out in reading his book right like Mm -hmm. maybe there's an extra piece that really completes the whole puzzle that's after the climactic battle yeah that they can kind of put it together you know what i mean and they're like ah see okay you know like (laughs) and they're not having to do that like while they're trying to like cast a fireball of like you know like oh well this all makes sense you know and right um so i i kind of like i kind of like pacing it out a little bit so that they do hit pay dirt right that they that they have it but it's not everything all at once that they're trying to process um you know yeah hopefully that makes sense Yes, I, I I like um I did this with one one uh one shot that wasn't really a mystery so much but uh in the I like to help them th- if you have time um and you feel like you the players feel like they come to the conclusion right there's always that twist some of those movies you know that have a twist at the end oh all right great we solved the thing all right great everybody you know uh, pat on the back, then they go home, they go to sleep, and then while the Marin character's sleeping, all of a sudden they set up and been like, oh, wait, crap, what about that one clue? And then there's, like, a murder uh, in their room, right? Yeah, and they've exactly. got a whole other, like, scene in the movie that nobody thought was going to happen. They thought the credits were coming, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that can be fun um, if you're cognizant of time and you've got it in there. Um, uh, those things are really fun. I had one where uh, the, the players were diving through the belly of a, this was actually a, a knife in your hand, which was a uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord um, 
pre pre-gen adventure. And in that you're burrowing into this corpse of this dragon, this zombie dragon. Thing. Yeah. And there's these creatures that live inside of it, and you're deep inside the belly, the gullet of this thing, and you're fighting these creatures, and these creatures can lay eggs inside of you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um anyways, uh so a couple of the players got infected with these eggs. And of course I don't tell them they're getting laid with eggs. I just, you know, they fail some save and they I'm like, all right, you start to feel a little funny or something, you know, after they did whatever they do to you and and then, uh, you know, an hour and a half later, when they finish the campaign, they successfully, whatever, kill the bad guys, they exit out of the dragon, put the dragon out of its misery, go back to the town, the town starts to cheer, everybody's good, and then I have, and they think, oh, that was a fun adventure, I'm like, yeah, yeah, hey, can you um, just, you know, maybe give me a, uh, give me a check real quick. Right. And like, well, like, okay, uh, okay. Why? <laughs> okay, yeah. And then all of a sudden, everybody stops, and they're like, yeah. wait, why are we still rolling? Yep. You know, and then two, all of a sudden, there's this scene at the end where they're like scrambling to get the town doctors. They've got two people, they've cleared tables in the bar. They've got them up on the bar and they're like doing like surgery right there with no <laughs> anesthetic, trying to rip this, this egg out of their gullet. Yeah. And it's just like, oh man, you know, I think that kind of stuff can be really fun if you have a group that's really engaged. I'll tell you this if I had a group that um, I felt wasn't getting along, or maybe the momentum was dying out, you know. I maybe I maybe I'll just skip that whole scene. Yep, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. So, um, one of the things that we we kind of didn't talk about in the prep of it, um, but I think it it plays out in the running of it, is like, what's the objective of this of this mystery? Like, is the thing like is the thing you're looking for um, a MacGuffin? Or is it like is there it like is there a point to it? So the Maltese Falcon. The uh -huh. whole movie is about getting this Maltese Falcon that was stolen. I don't think you ever see the Maltese Falcon in the movie. You know what I mean? Like, and you never, you ever, nobody actually ever gets it. Like, it, it's a, it's a whole thing just to kind of keep the story moving. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about using like, like a MacGuffin as part of the mystery plot device? I, Alfred Hitchcock used it all the time, right? Like, it's what kicked it off. Um, and so I think that some people use it as a way in RPGs to kind of like, I mean, we use it in RPGs all the time, right? Oh, I need you to go get the necklace off of this guy that stole it. So you got to be know? careful with him. Because, yeah, exactly. Because players may be like, no, screw that. I'm not getting his necklace. He yeah, I don't care. Necklace. Yeah. yeah, I don't care. Well, we need right. the, we need the, um, we need the uh, amulet to be returned to, uh, to to the uh to the old gray seer because he's not happy right now. Yeah. Like, well, tell him to cheer up. You know, you just <laughs> right. gotta be, like there needs to be if you're gonna have an item, um, it's gotta have enough significance for the players to care about actually retrieving it. That's yep. my opinion. Yep. Like it could be like a uh like a uh this person's got the Necronomicon, and if yeah. they miss if they mispronounce one word, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all all the dead's gonna start raising yeah you know so. <laughs> um but you know <laughs> i love that movie it's so yeah, funny it's um so you know here's the thing though and this is what i love doing and and this is part of this is part of moving the cheese this is part of twist this is part of red herrings um i love th having the MacGuffin kick something off and then the players realizing oh there's so much more happening here 
you know, and that's part of like maybe having a great mystery is, you know, if you kick it off with a MacGuffin, which is like, I need you to go get the briefcase that glitters like gold when you open it. Um, and I will pay you handsomely or, you know, like you can go find all this untold power that thing could go away because something larger is, has superseded it. And all of a sudden there's a bigger part of the mystery that the players are realizing that they're part of, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's good adventuring regardless. Cause I think a MacGuffin can get the plot going and then, you know, you, you get invested in other things. Um, but I hesitate to use too many MacGuffins for a mystery because especially if you burn your players with it once, we're like, Oh yeah, you got the briefcase, but who cares? Whatever it was inside of it. This doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Um, you, if you do that too many times with your players, they're not going to go for those things anymore. They're just no. not going to care. You know? No, not at all. In fact, <sighs> you got to be care. If I'm a player on the table and you throw something like that at me, I'm going to pull it out quick. I'm going to, I'm going to be like, look, um, the first thing I do before I go off trying to find that thing is finding out if I need to go off and find that thing. Right. Yep. Yep. I um uh I I learned as well, and I think this I learned this during our Shadow of the Demon Lord campaign. There's a couple of times that I had some faithless NPCs. You know, where um they this was especially in Granville, remember? Um, like they they hated you after you basically saved the town oh yeah, yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. um and that caused such a bitterness amongst you guys and rightfully so like you did all these great things but you were ready to salt the earth around that town well, and be had, like good riddance yeah you know? and we turned our backs on that town and let it drive itself into the ground after that yeah and you know part of that I, I was kind of going for that a little bit too. I wanted you, I wanted you guys to be bitter with a lot of them. You know what I mean? Um, because I felt like that was kind of like some of the grim dark parts of you know not every not 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 every NPC is a, a good NPC. You know, in 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 Shadow of the Demon Lord type of thing. Um, but I realized that I really pushed the limit with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, did I break them? I might have broken them. It came really close. Really yeah, close I for you guys he... just walking away. Well, I mean, my character, uh, the soonest chance he had to make a pact with a dark uh, druid lady or save the town, he was like, nah, screw the town. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah. So it was, it was kind of, you know, I think you have to be careful with, like, if you start having, um, you know, things that are supposed to be like the end goals of mysteries that aren't really the end goal. And it's like, and the important part was the journey the whole time. Always. You know, and you're just like, (laughs) if you do that too many times, then all of a sudden your players are going to be like, we don't care about the journey. We're not doing it. It's not worth it. Where's the gold? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but then they'll start to be. If you can go go get me this item, I'll let you have the fifty gold pieces I have in this bag. It's like, well, how about you just give us those fifty gold pieces right now, lady? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, and I'll be honest. In our D and D campaign, um, I'm glad that we have altruistic Nick. Who sometimes is like, yeah, I'll do it because it's the right thing to do. Because I can, I can still play on that every now and then. You know what's interesting you know? is I feel like the more we play that, the more that I feel like the lawful good, uh, um, what's he, ranger? 
He uh, is a cleric. Lincoln. Lincoln. Oh, yes. Cleric. Yep. Yep. Oh, Lincoln. Yep. Lincoln's yeah. a fighter. Fighter, yeah. The more we play, the more I think. I think that he, this guy's actually evil. Lincoln? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The stuff that he's doing, I'm like, he's not playing to that alignment. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. anyways. Anyway, fun stuff. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, hopefully you guys got some good tips on how to run a good mystery. I think that mysteries are a blast to play. I mean, they're one of my most favorite things to do um, just because it provides a lot of opportunities for um, some great role playing and a lot of opportunities to really work together as a group. Um, yeah, and if you ever need material because you want to make a mystery, but you just feel like you're not having that creative bug, just watch a detective movie. Yeah, and write it down, and and just take you steal the whole plot of the detective movie and just reskin it, and you'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, well, thank you guys for listening. Um, we really appreciate uh, we really appreciate the audience that we have, and we know you're out there. We see you downloading our episodes, so. <laughs> You know, and we see the likes on our Facebook page. I need to do a better job about posting some materials there, but you know what? Uh, We know that you're listening, so love it. Share it with your friends. Give us likes. Give us comments. uh, Let us uh, let us know you're out there. All right. Thank you so much, and have a great night. See ya.